Sorry, I'm struggling apparently. No, that's okay. Look, it's you know, <laughs> I couldn't find the meeting ID, and then I was like, oh yeah, he sent me notes, and then I'm like, and then on my work computer, and I'm like back and forth. I was like, which computer am I using right now? What is happening? I was like, I don't know. I'm all over the place for some reason. No, it's okay. I, it's this has been a super busy week for me too. With um, you know, we're doing stuff at the house. We're trying to get the deck stained, and uh, we've had issues uh, coming up with Cat's uh, grandma. And we're just trying to put it all together, man. And I've been recording with the folks over in England, and that got extended by another episode. So I'll do, I'll be doing four episodes with them instead of three. And um, goodness, what folks in England? Uh, it's another Star Trek podcast called Red Shirts. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah yeah and um they're they're really great a lot of you know they're it's three comedians so they have their own uh they have their own thing going over there they've been at it for a little longer than i i think they just celebrated one year of uh of rocking it but they started in the pandemic like so many me like so many people yeah so um but you got the notes yeah i've got them any questions issues i don't think so okay cool good stuff all right uh, I'm ready if you're ready. Yeah, Doc, let's do it. Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Gab. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, be me up. Resistance is futile. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. John Goodman is only as eloquent as this man's words allow him to be. Back from St. Louis, it's Gary Horn! Yay! Oh, so good to be here. (laughs) How you doing, man? I'm okay. So I, uh, I mentioned that you're back from St. Louis. What was going on in St. Louis? Tell our listeners, because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's uh, It was wrestling at the Chase. Um, <sighs> it was uh, the Chase Park Plaza Hotel. It's like a big institution for professional wrestling back in the day. So like not in like 40 years, but like the NWA went back to the Chase and we got to hang out there. They put on the first all women's uh, NWA pay-per-view. Yes. And then the 73rd anniversary of the NWA was that weekend. And then television tapings. And it was a lot. I slept for like two days straight afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure that's a, that's a lot to do. Cause uh, I mean, I don't know if this is, if you, if you want me to edit this out, I can, but we got a. Te- I say, we, me and Justin got a text from you saying, uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm at a party with Ric Flair and, and Billy Corgan are <laughs> just like <laughs> you, Gary. <laughs> no, it was it was weird. Like we were, yeah, it was after the uh, after the seventy third anniversary. I'm out and I'm just like, oh, there's an after party at this place, and it's this place called Brennan's in St. Louis, and it's like a small room, so it wasn't even like a huge event hall or anything. It was just like hanging out and just like some of us there. And for whatever reason, I caught myself like in this moment of being like, I was talking to this one girl there, and I was just like, man, I'm so beat. 
I am so tired and I'm sore and like, oh, I just kind of want to go home <laughs> or like not home, but like back to the Airbnb or whatever. I'm like, I just yeah. Wanna... And then I like looked up and then just like all of a sudden it was just one of those moments, you know, like I look up and I see the bald head and <laughs> Billy Corgan like scan over and like right there across from me is like Ric Flair with his bright bleach blonde hair. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to private party with Billy Corgan and Ric Flair. Like what? what is, what is this? What, what is life right now? <laughs> this is insane. This is surreal. And I was like, why would I leave this? Like, this oh. is, and so I didn't. And then I just stayed up all night drinking with them. And so wow. That's awesome. Oh, Billy Corgan doesn't drink just to put that out there. He does. He does not drink. Wow. Oh, okay. Does drink. And, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Billy Corgan's very health conscious and vegan and all of that stuff. So, so just, uh, so you, were you recording content for social media? What was your, what was your role up there throughout all this? It ended up being a whole lot of different stuff. Like it was, um, yeah, the main reason I was supposed to be there was social media content. So, mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, so that turns into grabbing talent after the matches, trying to wrangle them, get a after match interview or something like that. So if you look at like the NWA socials, I'm all over there now. Cause I'm like interviewing people as they come out and nice. But it, yeah, it, it just ends up whatever needs done. It's like where you can step in and do it. Then that's, that's what you do. So yeah, that's cool. It's that's a, cool. it's a tight knit group. So it's like, it's a, sure. You know, it's not, it's not a big billion dollar corporation. It's, you know, right. he's got money, but he's not like billionaire Vince money. It's a, right. Yeah, he's got like his trusted people that he counts on to just be able to juggle many things. And, uh, I get the vibe and I mean, you know, correct that, you know, as an outsider looking in, it feels like Billy kind of runs this thing like just a big rock band. It's kind of like, hey, I got this person's really good at this. So they're doing that thing. And, you know, and this person's doing that. And, you know, so that he kind of brought all these people in because they're really good at X and making sure all those people do those things. And he's I'm sure he's got people whose job it is to make sure that those people do those things. But other than that, like you said, it's a small tight knit group and they're just cranking it out. Is that, am I, that feels actually ballpark? pretty accurate. Yeah. And lots of his stories and comparisons would be to, to the, the industry that obviously he would be most familiar with, but yeah, it's, sure. it's always like, I don't know. It feels very much like I'm going to hire you to do this thing. This is the thing I want to never have to worry about again, because you are doing this and I will know that this is done but this will not be the only thing you do. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you know, you're going to fill in other spots too, but you know, this is your primary focus that I will not be happy if this is not done. <laughs> it's kind of like when you uh, read over a new job contract or something like that. And the, there's always that one sentence at the bottom of the list of responsibilities is just, and anything else your immediate supervisor deems necessary. It's exactly seem, seems like that's kind of in play here. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not, I mean, you know, my wife keeps thinking I'm off doing the Ric Flair, Billy Corgan party all the time, but it's not that all the time. Like we had two parties while we were there. We had the rap party for the TV show and we had that party after the 73rd. And, but otherwise it is, it is like, I'm showing up at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and we are there until 11 o'clock at night, like yeah. working. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's with something. So with something so physically taxing, I don't imagine that the, 
that the party is much of a bumping event you know it's probably everybody just trying to catch their breath for a minute (laughs) yeah i'm sure there were days where like the professional wrestlers oh we know they were they were known for like partying and fighting and like getting into all kinds of trouble no this was like everybody's like chilling (laughs) like it's it's, everybody's just like hey man how's it going you doing all right yeah cool did you have fun with this yeah all right you know it's just like (laughs) everybody's just kind of laid back and just like god please pour me a bourbon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I thank you so much for uh, coming on today. I know you st- you're still probably exhausted. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you did have a chance to squeeze in this one episode, this Hoshi episode. That's <laughs> I figured ex- extra motivation for you to watch. Anything can get me going. It's Hoshi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, did you have fun with this one? This is kind of a this is kind of a unique one right off the bat. This one drove me nuts. I don't really. Know why. <laughs> yeah, this would this would like. I had so many questions throughout the episode. Like I was just, uh, I mean, I love Hoshi. Like Hoshi's, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure we can get into this more later, but um, I will say this, this episode was, I can't tell if I like it or not. I don't know. Interesting. It's, yeah. Okay. It's, I, there, there's stuff I like about it, but then there's stuff I'm just like, what? Why are you doing that? But wow. Anyway. Well, we've teased people enough. Let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday. We've had an accident. When a crew member is beamed aboard, something goes terribly wrong. I'm not convinced that the transporter put me back the way it's supposed to. The molecules are coming apart. The episode you have to see to believe. We lost Hoshi. Hoshi and Tripp are on an away mission, taking pictures and gathering data and samples from an ancient set of ruins. Their mission is cut short when a storm approaches before they can make it back to the space bus. No time for love, Dr. Jones. So they're forced to use the transporter instead. Hoshi is reluctant to use it, so Trip goes back first. After the incident aboard Enterprise, Hoshi feels that things are not right, particularly being the first time she used a transporter. After a visit to Doc Phlox, she goes to sleep. I'm taking that! hoping to feel better in the morning. She's awoken by an emergency call from the bridge, having apparently overslept by three hours. I know I shouldn't complain about a free trip, but geez, you guys give the worst gall darn wake-up calls. On the bridge, Archer informs her that Trip and Travis have been taken hostage on the planet while retrieving the space bus. Hoshi is unable to help, failing to understand the simple bimodal syntax of the aliens. She is ordered to return to her quarters where she sees her reflection in the mirror fade away and water passing through her hands when she takes a shower. Just like Marty McFly, sort of. Doc Flock still can't find anything wrong, attributing Hoshi's experience to transporter anxiety. But later, she completely dematerializes. The crew begin to search for her, and she observes Doc Flock's and Trip scanning the ship for her cellular residue. She watches Archer speak with her father to inform him of her death. I always feel In her wanderings, she hears and later encounters two strange aliens who are planting and arming suspicious devices throughout the ship. She attempts to disrupt a circuit in Archer's cabin in hopes an SOS Morse code flashing signal will get his attention. T'Pol dismisses it as a malfunction and suggests Archer needs rest after the difficult day they've all had. I'm taking that! Unable to warn anyone, she endeavors to interrupt the explosive devices reaching in and switching them off as they're activated, unseen by the treacherous reptilian aliens. State your first name, your last name, and occupation. Lizard man, lizard man, and, uh, lizard man. 
This eventually leads her onto the escaping aliens transporting device, only to rematerialize in the Enterprise's transporter room. She is disoriented and concerned about the aliens, warning that the ship is about to be blown up. But Reed explains to her that she's been trapped for only 8.3 seconds in the pattern buffer because of the storm and that her recent experiences could only have been her own mind's anxiety hallucinations. In effect, a dream. So what about this episode gave you pause, Gary? What what drove you nuts? Um, well, for one, okay, so immediately Hoshi, love that. I think Hoshi is uh, probably my favorite character on Enterprise. I mean, that's yeah. tough to say, but but she is definitely one of them. I, th- I think that she's the most relatable to me. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, that she just feels the most human, like you know, just the science expert and teacher and blah, blah, blah. And then she like gets drawn into this thing. And so she she's always got like she's got a more of a sense of wonder, wonder than some people do. And yeah. uh, like she just I don't know. To me, she portrays that really well. And well, because so- most of the crew kind of got into Starfleet sort of with the understanding of like, okay, it's going to be space travel and everything that goes with it. So Hoshi ends up being kind of like the Greek chorus. We, a lot of times see the story through her eyes because I'm not an astronaut (laughs) and neither is she. So she's there for a very specific thing, but when she's asked to do anything else, it's jarring to her. And we end up, the most drama comes from her point of view. Yeah. And she, and she rises to the occasion. I appreciate it. Appreciate that about her. Like she's yeah. she's pulled off some cool stuff. And um, mm-hmm. um, I do, I do. You you should have anxiety about the transporter. Right. I get that, especially <laughs> when you when you haven't seen a thousand episodes of Star Trek before. Like you right. should you should be like the transporter's kind of creepy, and uh, <laughs> and I don't want that to happen to me. I, I do wish that Hoshi didn't always. Her, her stories always revolve around her having anxiety about something. It does feel that way a little bit to me. But, um, you know, like at this point, I feel like she should we should be seeing some I, I don't want to be like too nitpicky, but I feel like we should be seeing some evolution of her like, all right, OK, you know, like I got this. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've seen worse, uh, but maybe with the transporter, I'll give it a pass. Like, OK, um, but uh, then the transporter stuff, it just drives me crazy because I'm always like, um I, I don't know. The transporter is a weird thing to me because you're dematerializing your whole body and then reforming it. And there's no ever, I, I feel like we've had to have discussed this on this show before together, but maybe uh, just no discussion of like, what is your consciousness? Where does that go? You yeah. know, exactly. if, you're, if your thoughts and memories and personality can all be boiled down to electrical impulses, is that the only thing that goes from point A to point B? And they literally just build you a replica body wherever you're going and just put the, those electrical impulses into that body. So did they yeah, just did weird. they just kill you at one place and then <laughs> build you a new body somewhere else? Yeah. I yeah mean, you have to think that that's kind of what's happening. They're not yeah. like, I mean, you, you don't think they're like literally transporting like all of your atoms or something like back right. to the other place, but maybe they are. I don't know. Nobody knows. This is why teleportation is weird. Like, because call it consciousness, call it the soul, like whatever, like there's something in you that makes you you. And it's not like just the physical like yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> and so not to mention the fact that you are not just you. There's like a billion gut bacteria you have and like uh, all kinds of, of microbes like crawling all over your body at any one point. So like, oh, yeah, this thing has to piece all of this back together properly. <laughs> and so wow. 
It's a, yeah. it's a weird concept. So I get being scared of it. That said, if you come back and the only thing that seems to be hanging around is your soul uh, or whatever, mm-hmm. which is what's happening to poor Hoshi here, you know, before we even realize this is all a dream or whatever the fuck. I'm sorry, I cursed, but it's uh, okay. <laughs> um, then one thing that kept driving me nuts is she's crawling around in all these vents, like peek- peeking at people. And I'm like, you know, they can't see you. That's one thing. <laughs> Like she's yeah. like, she was like spying all these guys, like looking through a vent. And I'm like, you could just stand next to them. They don't know you're there. That's yeah. one. Uh, two, do she's changed clothes. So like, yeah, shouldn't she? And this is not wishful thinking. Shouldn't she have like fallen out of those clothes or something? Like the, what? the logic is there. Yeah. Yeah. Or fallen through the freaking ship. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, le- yeah. Yeah the actual ship during this. Now, I guess all this is explained away by the fact that her dream state is probably not logically piecing this together. Maybe. Right. Well, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, but I think you're hitting on some things there that are uh, definitely, definitely plausible arguments as to what's happening in this episode. I think the other, the other reason I'm glad that you're here is uh, I know you're not a fan of time travel. That much has definitely been discussed on this, on this show before, but the idea that, all of this has happened and only eight seconds have passed by. I don't know about you, but to me, it felt like about 44 and a half with two commercial breaks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, how do you, how do you feel about the passage of time? And do you think here, I, this is the big question. Do you think unconsciousness is a form of time travel? Ooh. Wow, that's a that's a deep question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, I know that I've had dreams where it felt like a lot more time passed, so I didn't. It didn't hit me as hard on that. Um, mm-hmm. Was interesting to me though that it was so vivid to her that this stuff was actually happening, and all of it was just not real. I thought until I realized we only had like three minutes left. When she rematerializes, I thought it was like, oh, she she has seen some stuff and she'll help sort that out but none of it was real like none of it. none of that was real so yeah. so that's super weird so she's just dreaming i guess but yeah I don't, I don't know maybe maybe but i don't know that this because none of it was real i don't know that that's really time travel you know what i mean like yeah. it's uh like those aliens weren't really on there but by the way if well i don't know i, I was gonna say you know how they say like if you dream about someone like if you see their face mm-hmm like you had to have seen that person somewhere at some point. Like you yep. can't, like your brain just doesn't make up people. Right. And, yeah. And, uh, and so like, it's like somebody that was tucked away somewhere in there. So I wonder how that works with those aliens. Yeah. Where, I, like, you know, and talking about it, I wonder if, if we go back and look at Hoshi's first, I'll go ahead and say traumatic experience on this, on this mission, this four season long mission um, with, the episode fight or flight where she encounters these aliens that are hanging upside down in that ship being drained of all their blood. Uh, I wonder if the design was sort of similar to those aliens, because if her subconscious is structuring this dream based on things that she's encountered and experienced, we've seen where she's been under a time crunch or the ship's going to explode. We've seen that before. We've right. seen where it's like, it's crucial that she figure out the combination or the code, albeit, you know, communication, but similar to what she's doing in this episode, there is a bomb 
that she perceives as literal when it's more metaphorical. And maybe this has been, maybe this is sort of the culmination of Hoshi's experiences put into this one subconscious expression that she has to experience while in the buffer, while in the, uh, the transporter buffer. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Uh, it actually is a good explanation. I, I, I mean, it would make sense for her to like be reconciling everything that's happened to her, like in this moment in time. But yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I didn't you think Scott Bakula should be used to talking to holographic people though? Like he should, <laughs> he should see her just immediately. Yeah. Like he should yeah. just know. <laughs> Sam. Well, yeah <laughs> come on sam you've dealt with ziggy enough can't you can't you uh can't you see hoshi i you know you gotta figure if something is if something's blinking in your office and it turns out to be sos and then it spells out hoshi probably a glitch yeah yeah how do you just dismiss that like what first of all what are the odds secondly how do you dismiss it even when you figure out what it is or what it's saying I, I don't know. For a ship full of scientists, that was a real boneheaded move. In my, After coming off the weekend, I did. I mean, I can sort of respect that this is the case, but I don't know how little sleep the people at Enterprise get, but they sure seem to think that'll solve everything. <laughs> in like every scenario, they're like, you know what you need? It's good night's sleep. Yeah, you need Let me nap. get you a sedative. <laughs> Let me, you know what? Why don't you take a nap? I'm taking a nap. Well, well, you should lay down. I'm taking a nap here. It was like, that's like five times in this episode. They're like, nope, just need to rest. Just need to rest. That's all you need. Good night. <laughs> um, have you, this, this was, uh, you know, besides what is happening to Hoshi being pretty traumatic in and of itself. The other thing that I thought w that was pretty, that would be very difficult to deal with was what Archer ends up having to discuss with Hoshi's father of like, Hey, so just so you know, like we lost her. <laughs> I was I was wondering about that because like, at no oh point did God. I really think that Hoshi wasn't coming back. Yeah. And so before realizing this is, you know, the, the outcome is the outcome. You're sitting there thinking like, oh, man, this is freaking tough. Like Archer's having to tell her dad. He's yeah. dead. And then I was like, it's going to be even worse when he calls back that afternoon. And he's like, sorry, we yeah. were wrong. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know how far you are into your grieving process. but I know you said you had to get off here and go talk to your wife. <laughs> so sorry I put you through that. <laughs> you know, hopefully she's good. We're all good. <laughs> Turns out she's Mrs. Fine. Hoshi, you okay back there? <laughs> Oh, she's cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Sato. Mrs. Sato. False alarm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, false alarm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're still we're still we're still learning. It's 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 a long road getting from there to here. So oh, it's been a long road. Yeah. This song haunts my dreams. Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah. That would have been the real experience if like trapped in whatever loop she's in. Like she just it's, it's like living in the intro of Enterprise. Just this theme song over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> she comes out all frazzled. Just like, That's it. I'm done with the, transport. This is the end of the long road. <laughs> I've been on that long road for so long. <laughs> oh my God. But oh. yeah. That's a, it's, I mean, it was a fun episode. It was just like, I had these like little nitpicky things where I'm like, am I being too hard on this? Cause it's so weird. Uh, yeah. And it's this weird too, that like you, 
I guess I kind of expect it in some some episodes you got to do this but like the whole alien stuff at the beginning you know where they're investigating ruins and stuff it's like yeah. oh well i guess that's the end of that like that doesn't ever amount to anything yeah. you know <laughs> it's uh which is you know i guess everything can't you're supposed to think they're constantly exploring but it's it's just i don't know it's weird yeah i uh yeah, I, I kind of think like, like I said, you know, all of Hoshi's experiences. So I kind of feel like I wanted to go back and watch it again to see the symbols that they were taking pictures of and see if those correlated with something on the devices that they had there on the ship and see if it was all kind of meant to be this one thing. But yeah, it is kind of weird. This is also kind of, I mean, if we're, if you're looking at the franchise chronologically, as we are on this show, um, this kind of seems to be like the first issue of like stuff going wrong with the transporter. <laughs> we see that a lot throughout the franchise. Like Kirk gets an evil double made of him. Sometimes, sometimes they use the transporter to just break through to another alternate reality. Um, you know, Riker had a duplicate of him mm -hmm. made, you know, this for, for a form of travel, they still have some, major bugs to work out <laughs> i guess with all the moving parts yeah something's gonna break something's gonna happen but like it's not like just kind of oh i got whiplash because i was in a fender bender <laughs> it's like oh, i don't i was zapped away to an alternate dimension <laughs> or now my evil doppelganger is sexually assaulting members of my crew <laughs> like oh, yeah maybe we ought to take a look at transporter technology again <laughs> before we use it <laughs> Well, I was going to say one of the one of the cool things and weird things at the same time is, is you, you're bringing that up. It, it's like you're, it's good every once in a while with Enterprise to give you a taste of this is still early. This is still every, you know, so mm -hmm. seeing Hoshi be a little weirded out by it. Trip's never been in it. Um, all of that. It almost feels yeah. like it could have been an episode in episode one, even, you know, to kind of reestablish that. But I guess in season two, you're just like reestablishing, hey, you know, even with those other scenarios, those guys are used to popping in and out of the transporter like it ain't no thing. Yeah. These people are still like, this is a weird freaking thing for us. And uh, um, so I, I do appreciate that part of it, at least. Um, another thing you were talking about this and now my, my wheels are spinning and I'm just thinking like, well, Hoshi's whole thing about being invisible. Mm. And then if you think about it with like comparing, um, Oh, the the crewman that outdoes her on uh, translating the alien stuff, and maybe yeah. this is what you were, you were driving at. It's like, oh, maybe she's got some like deep seated like uh, imposter syndrome or something. Uh huh. <laughs> like, uh huh. Yeah, so, like yeah. that's part of what she's thinking about. Well, sure. I mean, I mean, she's definitely expressed definitely in season one the fact that she doesn't really feel like <laughs> she feels like her job is done, kind of. But it's kind of like no we're going to keep encountering these new aliens. You kind of have to stay here and work with this universal translator. You're here. <laughs> You're the person to do this. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, some imposter syndrome or um, yeah, def definitely thoughts and feelings of that nature on top of like psychological things that she's endured of, you know, Hey, do this or we all die. <laughs> Yeah, figure this out right now or we die. <laughs> exactly. And th that's super traumatic for folks. Um, and like I said, you know, she's not an astronaut. So she kind of got into she got into this to sit in a lab or to sit with headphones on and listen to dialogue. That's what she signed up for. 
but she got everything else that goes along with being on a starship in deep space. And that's what maybe she didn't account for. or Maybe that wasn't properly expressed to her. I, I, I think we've seen throughout these, uh, you know, 30 some episodes that we've watched so far. Um, Starfleet at this point is not super great at communicating all of the details of everything that's going on. It's kind of like, they, they take a very Tony Stark approach to it of like, hey, let's push this thing as hard and as fast as we can go. And whatever breaks or falls off or gets destroyed, we'll learn from that. <laughs> so it's just like, OK, we've got a linguist has never been in space before. Yeah. Put her on the ship. It's fine. <laughs> she's, she's good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. How hard could it be to learn? Yeah, how hard navigating? could it be? <laughs> <laughs> and also, how long have they been out there that trips now just in that little uh, gyroscope thing? Like he's just like flipping around. I think I saw that this may have been the first use of the set of the ship's gym. It may have been because he's just like, have you ever used this thing? And she's like, no. (laughs) Um, But I did notice uh, the callback there because when she walks in, he says, you're upside down, uh, whatever he calls her. I forget what her rank is, but that in the very first episode, he's upside down or the other one is upside down. Anyway, they got the oh, locks. Travis in. is upside Travis down. Travis is yeah. upside down. He's like, you're upside down <laughs> or something like, huh. I don't know if that was on purpose, but definitely that's a second time trip has, has used that line. I think, I think trips just, <laughs> that's just the, that's just the simplicity of Charles Tucker. The third, just, Hey, you're upside down. Thanks. Thanks. Captain <laughs> obvious. Awesome. <laughs> he just likes saying it to say he's, he's the dad joke guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. So, with this story, as always, we ask, who do we blame? So we've got Rick Berman and uh, Brandon Braga as the writers for this episode. Their last writing was the story of season two, episode eight, which was Communicator. And uh, this episode was directed by David Strayton. And his last episode directing was season two, episode five, A Night in Sick Bay, which we actually just uploaded not too long ago with uh, our good friend Britt Benton and that was a really fun episode and it's available for you guys to go check out uh the guest stars it's pretty slim most of this is taking place on the ship but we do have Mr and I'm going to try my best here I believe it's Keon Young who plays Hoshi's father and he's got a really interesting resume and I'll just hit some of the highlights here uh, he was in Alien Nation, 1988. He also was in Surf Ninjas, which Ooh. I remember Surf Ninjas. That was a lot of fun <laughs> back in 1993. Brothers don't surf. <laughs> a tone Loke. <laughs> the one I remember is uh, Rob Schneider thinking that he has the power to make things happen by saying, wouldn't it be weird if, or what if oh. this happens and then it happens. So he thinks that's his power. Oh, he goes, weird. well, what if the house explodes and it explodes behind them? It's <laughs> <laughs> <just> like, oh, <laughs> well, and because that reminds me, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I think it was you, me, Justin Bishop, who's been on the show quite a few times. And another friend of ours went to the movies to see something. I forget what it was. And this trailer came on where it had a bunch of uh, low rider uh, cars spinning around, you know, in a garage type facility and we were seeing a lot of asian actors and like this one american guy and before the trailer ends you said what is this fast and furious in japan and like as soon as those words were out of your mouth 
on the screen said fast and furious tokyo drift and we all looked at you and you were like did i do that with my mind <laughs> i will bet into existence and serviceably i saved the fast franchise right then and uh, and look at what it is today yes yes it, <laughs> I, what it all comes down to folks is that vin diesel doesn't really have the power in hollywood it actually resides within gary horn and lucky for Vin Diesel, I'm in love with him. So it works out really well. Um, and that's how he keeps getting work. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so uh, some of uh, Mr. Young's TV credits include G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. He played Storm Shadow. And the 1986 show Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Did you ever see that, Gary? This was a, that this sounds was a new really one really familiar. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can find maybe a... A little uh, sound clip or something to insert right about here. Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Norris with his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous, Chuck. Wow. Too much. Too much. Kimo, the samurai warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, a sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the Claw. Remember this. And the ruthless super ninja. Finish Norris. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. So there you go. Then in 1993, he was also on an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Buck Bokai in season one, episode 16, If Wishes Were Horses. And I think I, I'm trying to remember who Buck Bokai was. Did you ever see that? Does that ring a bell to you, Gary? Uh, no, but he's like a basketball player or something, right? I, th- I feel like maybe I baseball. That. I know Cisco was really big on baseball. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyways, uh, so that's that's uh, our behind the scenes there. Uh, Gary, any final thoughts about this episode? I feel like we've gotten through this one pretty quick. Yeah, um, I mean, well, it's just that there's not there's not much depth in the episode itself. It's kind of a pretty straightforward trying to be a claustrophobic kind of uh, maybe almost creepy story. Like just like what if you just disappear and nobody yeah. can see you and that sort of thing. Well, uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a bottle episode. Yeah. It's, it, there really isn't much of a B story. There's definitely not a C story. It's we we follow we follow Hoshi for the duration. Yeah, no complaints for me. But I uh, I I mean, yeah, I mean, just in terms of like depth, if you just it's just like getting into the transporter thing as always. Just like yeah. what what this leads to. I mean, oddly in Star Trek, you know, we like you said, we've come to expect that crap happens when you step in the transporter. I don't know yeah. what the ratio of uh, successful transports to non-successful are, but uh, you know, so it's not unusual to us, but I guess to them it would be oh, although yeah. I will say nobody seemed panicked when she showed up at the end. You know, they were just like, oh yeah, you were lost for a few seconds. We got you. <laughs> yeah, we got you. <laughs> and no big deal. Well, in the meantime, she's all frazzled like, oh, where was I? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> we're all gonna die. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Uh, Reed, who's like, all he's got, all, apparently all he has to do is pull the, 
the little lever. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, yeah, Reed, Reed, like he got sweaty palms and his hand slipped off the Whoop. lever. He got back there, though, and pulled you through. Meanwhile, like Hoshi has like uh, a two week experience, like <laughs> out in the middle of space where mo- molecules are just floating around or something. I mean, like, I don't know where, yeah. like, where, where the, where the hell did she go? <laughs> yeah. Reed's, Reed's hand slipped off the, uh, off the lever. Good thing the only thing he's dealing with on the ship are high level explosives. <laughs> right right he controls all the weaponry and things that could blow the ship up so yep. it's just that's what he does <laughs> and your life when you transport yes oh man well next week we will be joined by mr john paul newton for enterprises oh, oh yeah he's such a sweetheart and really fun he's he's a lot of fun to talk to um he'll be joining us for enterprise season two episode 11 precious cargo available on netflix hulu amazon prime and of course on paramount plus gary where can people annoy you online i am at this is gary horn on all of the socials i am uh my wrestling podcast is at tipw show and uh also uh happy to be a part of the nwa at nwa so and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in 10 forward subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. Yay. You did it. Did it. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's probably... <laughs> fastest i've ever gotten through an episode (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry i mean i guess i could have had more to say i don't know no no it's you know well we talked about it and it didn't dawn on me until as we were going through it i was like oh yeah this is kind of a bottle episode if the bottle is the character i mean we follow hoshi and that's it so yeah Yeah, not a lot lot else going on yeah not a lot else going on um it's all right there's a lot of episodes you're gonna have so it's good to have some uh Brief ones every once in a while, I'm sure. How's that for a slice of fried gold?